Hello, Lake Tahoe locals and everyone else listening around the globe. Mike Perrin and Rob Galloway are back in the saddle back. to resurrect the Tahoe <laughs> Top Tap podcast after a little bit of a hiatus. If you've been following us, you know we started as Tahoe Tap, which is all about things to do, adventures to take, and people from around the lake. That was pre-pandemic. Then we shifted to news. We did my favorite term in the world, the pandemic pivot. <laughs> and we shifted <laughs> over to news that you needed from your home on a daily or weekly basis and called it Tahoe Talk. But now we're back on a bi-weekly basis with the fun side of things. My goal here, Rob, is to say COVID zero times. Well, you failed. You just said it. Oh, <laughs> son of a... <laughs> okay all right i got you i see where I get you're your going point though yes we will i will try to unless it is absolutely pertinent not mention that in my national headlines rob's going to bring you our local headlines from around the lake featuring tile daily tribune stories sierra sun stories we've got great local interviews from you know icons here within the tahoe basin and then some event adventures and entertainment. So stick with us here throughout this podcast, which is brought to you by Lake Tile Ale Works, home of the self-serve beer wall. Yes, you do not have to experience a bartender that's sniffling. No, you can just pour the beer yourself. You've oh, got, you're the bartender. Yeah, you are the bartender <laughs> at Ale Works. Cocktail Corner. Well, you gotta you gotta have somebody craft up those cocktails at Cocktail Corner. Uh, but you know, check out and choose your adventure at LakeTahoeAleworks.com. You can find out all about them. They're a proud supporter of the Tahoe Tap. So now let's get into the meat and potatoes here of the podcast, our local and national headlines. I think Rob, this is what I get the most feedback on is just enlightening people with these conversation starters. I'll let you take it away with local hits. Yeah, I think it's good just for people to know what's going on. And, you know, we, we take the, you know, that fun side of things from the national perspective. And you said like those conversation starters, right? So these are more snippets than anything else. If you want to get the, the full stories, we got uh, plenty of those uh, on our websites that, that you mentioned. So I think, I think, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about, you know, the big news that everybody's talking about is that that record setting December snowfall that we got over 212 inches, which led to all sorts of issues over the holidays. Uh, December, that was the third snowiest month on record. January 7th, 2018 hit 238 inches. Uh, that's not too long ago. I remember that. Uh, February 2019, I remember this too, 221 inches. So that was third behind those two years. And it, it was crazy, Mike. It was crazy, right? <laughs> Man, my back is still sore. Uh, you know, the roads are still a mess. We're, we're getting through it, but it looks like we got a little bit of a dry spell coming up and, yeah, and that what, could help out the, the crews out there. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous today is the day we're recording. One of the things that I noted, I, I did 21 kind of things that I saw or that I just noted, just random ramblings of 2021. And one of the things was you don't know good concrete work until you actually have to snubble show or snubble show, shovel snow. Right. Because See, it's got you saying it backwards. There yeah, was so much snow shoveling. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, OK. Well, you know, if you were caught up in that mess um, when all the roads were closed and then they opened up 50, I, I really feel for you. We, we actually had an employee of ours. It took them 12 hours to get home from the Reno airport that morning to South Lake Tahoe. So um, it, it was crazy. That caused all kinds of issues. Uh, the South Lake Tahoe City Council got an earful from some residents uh, about the issues, you know, and I'd say 
you know, this was not an easy thing to try to navigate, uh, just, you know, given what it was and what happened. I'd say for the most part, they did okay, but it was such a, a cluster bomb that, you know, and it started early that, you know, it's tough for everyone to get in, or to get involved and, and try to find the, the solution to it. But, um, you know, you know, they worked their hardest there, uh, whether it was power outages, you know, snow removal. Uh, but you know what, my, my main gripe, or maybe my one gripe, because I, I love the snow, I don't mind driving in it at all, but parking, right? My truck's not small. And once you get snowfall like this, parking sucks, right? Man, you know, parking, driveways, just daily life all got constricted down to the bare minimum. <laughs> you know, two lanes down the one, whatever it may be, it was cut in half at least. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you know, on that note, and we were actually talking to our, our upcoming guest, uh, Todd Offenbacher, about, um, right before we were recording. And, you know, he mentioned this was maybe one of the longest snow removal periods after a big storm that he could remember. But, uh, you know, some good news for folks that maybe haven't traveled around. Um, you know, we did see things like the casino corridor, which uh, was down to one lane. Uh, that's back to two lanes. So they're getting out there and they're they're chucking that as best they can to try and uh, open up those lanes. So so good on them. But uh, but yeah, it, it was definitely a crazy, crazy uh, few days or a few, yeah, maybe a little more than a week or so. But um, you know, in a couple other news, uh, we had confirmation by Cal Fire investigators at the Dixie Fire, which is north of us here in Tahoe. Uh, that fire burned nearly 1 million acres and destroyed over 1,300 structures. That was started by a tree hitting PG&E electrical lines. Um, stop me if you've heard this before, because um, I don't know what you do about that. I mean, I know their infrastructure, they're trying to work on that, but uh, man, I know we're all sick of uh, fires, right? Sick of it. Well, and uh, here comes another law. I mean, they're already in litigation on this, but they did claim bankruptcy from this, what, two, three years ago already. So yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, stop me if you heard this before. We're, we're not, we're a broken record here. Yeah. And we did have an unfortunate situation over the holidays where a skier went missing uh, around North Star Ski Resort. That search was, uh, unfortunately, it was called off after almost a week of about 220 personnel and 13,000 um, man hours there. You know, it's tough to know what happened, but, you know, I figured this was a good time to bring up the awareness factor. And Mike, you take Abby classes and I, you, you know, we talk about this a little bit with, with Todd, with our guests, but, you know, what's maybe the most important thing you could, you could give our, our listeners out there? Well, you know, Todd mentions a mentor coming up. We'll talk more about that, but, you know, what happened here is he was inbounds at North Star. So telling your partner, your significant other, you know, you always fill out those hospital forms of your, your emergency contact, whoever that person is that you fill out in those forms, tell them where you're going, what time you're expected to be back. That's one of the main rules of where you're going to be parking. But the biggest thing is, all right, when do we call search and rescue? If it's 8 p.m., if I'm not back by 8 p.m., shit's hit the fan and, yeah. you know, sound the alarms, right? So that I think that's the biggest one I've learned out there is, is when you're expected to be back and where, where you're expected to be going. Well, that's a good point. And, and, you know, if you listen to the interview, Todd's, Todd's got some in, insight there too. Uh, my, my last story here, we, we do have a great story up on the site right now um, about Homewood Mountain Resort celebrating its 60th birthday, uh, officially born in 1966. I, I do feel like though, Mike, sometimes home, Homewood gets lost in the shuffle. I, I think maybe I could be totally wrong, but it's just a location thing. Uh, um, there's a 
the history if you want to check it out. Um, they're also celebrating an inaugural rail jam this weekend. You might talk about that in, in your little segment, um, with it, which is January 8th and 9th. They also have it February 26th and 27th. And they say they have about 262 inches of snow up there now. So by February, 350, maybe? Is that what we're thinking? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would absolutely love that. And, you know, you mentioned Homewood and the logistical issue. If you're coming off of I-80, you're coming down 89, you got to pass Palisades, Tahoe, Alpine, Sugar Bowl, Boreal to get to Homewood. If you're coming from Southside on Highway 50, you got to come past Kirkwood, Heavenly Sierra. So there's a lot of action that you got to bypass and a lot of great skiing. But if you choose to, you will be very well rewarded by Homewood. So yeah, that's how I always like to put it. It's the closest, it's the closest you can get to the lake on a run, right? 170 steps. I've counted in ski boots. So you're not, you're not taking long strides. Those are ski boot steps. (laughs) (laughs) Got to keep your feet underneath you. (laughs) So what do you got on the national side? All right. National stuff here. Uh, giving you some conversation starters out there in the world. It's the end of an era for America's top selling automaker, Toyota was the highest selling company in the U.S. for 2021. They are dethroning General Motors of their 90-year streak. This is the first time since 1931 that the Detroit automaker was the best-selling car company in the U.S. The historic change was attributed to Toyota's ability to uh, maintain that supply chain issue that we all heard about mainly through semiconductor chips and you know the great ones the memes out there are claiming toyota as lieutenant motors one step above general right (laughs) get it general motors lieutenant Uh, motors uh, (laughs) yes the internet wins again (laughs) (laughs) all right changing pages here did you know that if you watch don't look up the famous right now Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Gardner, Mount Street movie on Netflix. I recently watched it. I know you did too. We were both meh about ho-hum, it. Ho-hum, uh, ho-hum about it. Ho-hum, yeah. And you thought maybe it looked a little unrealistic. Well, you're in for a treat here. NASA's first planetary defense mission was launched just over a month ago aboard a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. I had this conversation and blew some minds with some people. That's why I thought I'd bring it up on this podcast. DART, which is the defense mission's uh, asteroid redirection uh, tactical team. Their goal is to go full-ass kamikaze and strike a small asteroid and change its orbit. The impact is planned for September, October of 2022, and would be the, fir- the first Earth mission in our history to deflect an asteroid's trajectory. So uh, my question here, Rob, is, so, you know, they launched it a month ago, right? And they're going to hit this asteroid out. Who the hell? I, didn't, I couldn't find out how many miles away it is. But they're saying September, October. They got a two-month window, and they're trying to strike an object, and they can't narrow it down to a smaller window than that? I, I you think no science and geometry, whatever science they're using, could give math. us a better de- math. math yeah. <laughs> you think they could math 
a better date than <laughs> September, October, sometime of 2022. But we'll, yeah. we'll let you know more about that. I always like covering this kind of uh, sci-fi stuff. Well, it's not fiction. <laughs> it's not sci-fi. It's just sci. It's, it's real. Not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then announced today, the Washington football team said it will announce a new name and logo on February 2nd. Folks, that is Groundhog Day just so you know. So if if it's anything other than the Washington Groundhogs, I'm deeming it a fail. If they don't, <laughs> I mean, naming, <laughs> come on now. Uh, the top five leaked possibilities from 40,000 fans polled. Here they are. The Washington Red Hogs, Washington Armada, Washington Presidents, Washington Admirals, or the Washington Sentinels. Which, which comes to mind for you first? Which one are you digging there out of any of those? The Hogs are the sort of the locals name for the Redskins. Yeah, so. well, they had the, the Hogs. That was their offensive line back, I think, in the 80s. That's what they called themselves. So, And then you have their, their fans who wear those pig noses, those hog noses. So right. I don't know. I guess it's maybe a little fan service there going on. Um, I don't mind that. Sentinels, I don't, I don't mind either. Presence is stupid about that. I don't like that. <laughs> Washington presidents. I don't know. All right. I'll let them know that one's out. (laughs) All right. And as you know, I continue hard to not say the dreaded C word in this podcast. It still needs to be mentioned that just at the time of the recording of this podcast here, it was just announced that the 64th Grammy Awards Scheduled originally for January 31st at the crypto.com arena in LA, still hard to say, I'll call it Staples Center till I die, uh, has been postponed due to, due to Omicron, uh, along with, we just found out right before recording this as well, the iconic Sundance Film Festival in Park City, which you can find out more at the parkrecord.com. So I think they're going to be starting to fall. Unlike the Tall Adventure Film Festival, which will be going on here uh, Saturday, uh, January 8th, uh, that is going to carry on strong with all the locals here in Tahoe. My last note here, the day after the film festival, Sunday, January 9th, it'd be remiss if we didn't mention it, National Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. So give them a hug. You know, yeah. uh, do what you can. If you see them in the Red Hut or the coffee shop nearby. I'm a coffee. Coffee. Yeah, you got it, Rob. You nailed, nailed it. So uh, here after this quick break, we're going to be talking about adventure and entertainment. Stick with us here in the Tahoe Tap. Tahoe Tap, Rob Galloway talking all about movies filmed here in Tahoe because I mean that's what we're that's our our, our kind of chunk our of interviews here. Yeah, sort of the theme with Offenbacher coming on the show here in just a little bit, talking about the Adventure Film Festival. These quite these aren't quite the same sort of uh films, no, we're talking right, Rob? We're talking motion pictures, you know. Yes. We're talking, you know, real live, not that not that, you know 
Todd's aren't, but uh, but these are movies that you might have seen in the theater. I mean, and I'm not talking about TV. So all you folks that you know say we left out Bonanza, I'm not talking about Bonanza. Um, but I figured, you know, when you talk about movies that were filmed in Tahoe, um, I got a couple of honorable mentions that I want to mention, um, and then maybe my top three uh, that I'll, I'll kind of zoom through first. But um, if you remember City of Angels, that was uh, Nicolas Cage, Meg Ryan, almost at the height of their powers, right? That 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 part of the film um, er, that was shot in Tahoe is over on 89, right before Emerald Bay. And that's right when Meg Ryan gets hit by the car. Um, that's a spoiler alert. I'm sorry. I should have said that <laughs> earlier. Um, but uh, that portion was filmed up in Tahoe. Smoke and Aces, um, that was filmed at Montblanc, or the majority of it was filmed at Montblanc, which is now Bally's. Um, and uh, I, I don't remember the fictional name of it. I think it was it was like this. It wasn't the Sahara. I can't remember what the name of that of, of what was. But it's a it has a little bit of a cult following. I would say that movie. But how it wasn't better than it should have been. Listen to this cast, Mike. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, Ray Liotta, Jeremy Piven, Ben Affleck, Peter Berg, Wayne Newton, Common, Andy Garcia, Alicia Keys, Taraji P Henson, Chris Pine. Joel Edgerton, Jason Bateman, Matthew Fox. There's some heavy hitters in there, but that movie was just mediocre. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I um, would have never known all those cast members without you listing those off, watching it tonight, just to <laughs> go back in history. Damn, that's a that's a stellar cast. Yeah, they do. There's one shot, um, you know, right there uh, at uh, in Zephyr Cove too that uh, that they they shoot there. But most of it's taking place. Uh, at the hotel, or at least the outside shots of the hotel. Um, this is one we actually did a story on this. Um, uh, Red Snow. This is actually a recent movie that was released at the end of last year. Lower budget, but it was very critically acclaimed. Um, you know, and, and I love a good horror movie. So this was about a, a vampire novelist that finds herself defending against real life vamp vampires um, during Christmas in Tahoe. Um, and it looks like it's actually filmed in Tahoe. Unlike, um, I made fun of this. You know, when we talked about it, uh, my wife loves them Hallmark movies. And there was one called Christmas in Tahoe. And I was like, all right, I'm going to check it out. I'll watch it with her. And it was like, none of that's filmed in Tahoe. There's some aerial shots, but none of that's Tahoe. And then there's another one called Shark Lake with Dolph Lundgren. Um, that's about a shark in Lake Tahoe. None of that was filmed in Tahoe. I mean, these are like, um, they're more like reservoirs in California when you see them where they're at. It's anything like Tahoe. It's pathetic. It's terrible. Um, do uh, you have any thoughts on any of those before I dive into the bigger ones? No, man. I just, yeah. Red Snow is uh, also uh, a, a true story, not sci-fi. It's true <laughs> science. And no, I literally will be watching Smoking Aces tonight uh, to, to rehash it. All right. Well, um, you know, one of the, one of the bigger ones, um, Kevin Costner, Whitney Houston, The Bodyguard, I'm sure most people know it. Um, but the part that was filmed in Tahoe is when they went to uh, Kevin Costner, his character, his dad's house, um, sitting there right, right there by the lake. But that was Fallen Leaf Lake where that was filmed. Uh, great little sequence there. And it showcased uh, the beauty of Fallen Lake. It was during wintertime. Uh, just great, great. That movie's great. Um, I don't care what anybody says. I love it. Um, and, you know, my number two here, and, and people are going to say, well, there's no way there's a movie that's better than this, uh, is Godfather Part Two, And this is this is famous, right? That home on the West Shore over there by Homewood, which we were talking about before, um, is where poor uh, Fredo, he spent uh, his last days and now rests at the bottom of the lake, uh, sleeping with the fishes, right, as, as they say. Mm -hmm. But uh, one thing I didn't know about that home that they use over there was built by the industrialist uh, Henry Kaiser, who built it to celebrate the completion of the Hoover, Hoover Dam project. I thought that was uh, 
uh, you know, an interesting note of my half-assed um, internet research there, but uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's where, you know, there's so many people that, that talk about people being, uh, you know, with those cement shoes and thrown in the bottom of the lake. I, there's got to be some in there, right, Mike? I mean, absolutely. It has to be. We'll never know as long as they did it properly. So if you're, if you're, asking me like what my number if, if it's not godfather part two what could be better um but my number one movie and, and i'm going you know full fanboy flag flying here um because this movie hasn't even been released yet and i'm gonna say it's top gun 2 um and it's filmed for the most part out at the airport um a couple of years ago um, and if not for the pandemic, we would actually been able to already see this movie. But, you know, I feel that that need for speed line is so iconic. There's so many actually iconic sayings uh, or lines from that movie. Maybe I'm just super excited because I love that movie. I don't know how old I was. I was, I, I don't know, maybe 10, maybe, maybe I was even younger than that. Um, and I just love that film. I've seen it so many times. And so I look at this movie and I'm just super stoked to see it. I think it's going to be great. Um, I did look at some of the stills released too a while back that uh, maybe suggested some of it took place uh, in the wilderness. So maybe, maybe there's a crash landing from our boy Maverick and he's got a fight. I don't know, but comes out in May. I'm looking forward to it. That's my number one. You can't tell me any different. It's going to be fantastic. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> a whole bunch of uh, delays on that one, of course. And they keep announcing the release getting pushed back, but uh, soon to come, soon to come, soon to come, soon to come. Yep. All right. So that was your sort of entertainment side with the movie theme to it. I want to take it in a different direction. I'm going more of the adventure side of things. You know, uh, I'm going to start with my number three and work up the podium, as you could say, to number one. So number three, uh, Avi training. Uh, right now is the time to be doing it. Lake Tahoe Community College or the many online or semi-local companies offering uh, all of these classes like Alpine Global Expeditions, Blackbird Guides, Western Backcountry, etc. You name it, there's an option out there for you, whether it's online, whether it's in uh, course. I've done one about seven or eight years ago, and it was all online before there was a real, uh, you know, insurgence of a lot of these. But I'm taking it again at Lake Tahoe Community College this weekend, before Saturday, where we've got the film festival. I'm going out to the Lake Tahoe Community College. There's a half day course where you're in class, in field, in class, in field. It's three days. It's really intensive doing some wilderness rescue classes as well. It's it's slightly more intensive than your airy one, but they're all levels, there's still room and they go all the way through February and March. So do it if you're out there doing it. That's one of the mottos. Yeah. If you're out there doing it, take <laughs> well, the class. And we'll, you know, I'll go back to, you know, Todd speaking about it too in the interview. I mean, just listen to that. I mean, there's, um, you know, if you are doing it, it it's, it's, I don't want to say it's, it is a no-brainer, right? It has yeah, to it's a requirement. It's like a prerequisite, you know, for a class in college. If you're out there in the backcountry, you got to have this. So I'm going to leave it up to you guys to do your research, find the one that's right for you, but just saying, get your avid training. That's my number three. Working at the podium to number two, a little adventure off of Mount Rose Highway, Chickadee Ridge. We've talked about this a little bit before, but with the great weather coming up for what looks like the next 10 days, we got a little system coming in tomorrow, Friday, but then the next 10 days, looks like it's going to be some of that mild California weather. This is a great time to go check out 
Chickadee Ridge. Again, off of Mount Rose Highway, just past Mount Rose Ski Resort in the meadows there. The trail's super easy, mild <laughs> hike. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, take your snowshoes or some great boots. It might be pretty tracked out to where maybe you can get through with some shoes, but snowshoes yeah. with all the snowfall as of recent going to be a good one. You can always throw the snowshoes on the back if you don't need them, right? And it's tracked out enough. But first, hold up. Feeding these chickadees or any of the wildlife is not very cool. <laughs> like it's it's also illegal. Okay, so, people post pictures every year of like, oh, look at the look at the chickadees. Look yeah, like handful uh, of granola and almond <laughs> that won't even fit down this thing's esophagus. Come on, folks, human food is not healthy for these wild animals, and they do not need it to survive. Uh, they have super specialized diets. They can become malnutrition and malnourished. Uh, or die if they become dependent on this human food. So just don't do it. The good news there is that the birds are so used to people in this area that they'll naturally come and land on your hand. So yeah. again, you don't need the food. Just stick your hand out there, even without the allure of snacks. Just in short, be a good human, pack it in, pack good, it out, leave steward. no trace. Yeah, yeah, be a Tahoe uh, steward. Keep Tahoe blue, keep the birds alive. And don't feed them but go right. up to chickadee ridge check it out charge up cameras uh i mean there's Great tons views. of views out there uh so that's my number two adventure and then my number one of course Tahoe adventure film festival we haven't even given you the dates todd's gonna be on here in just five minutes to talk about it but it's not your typical stuffy film fest. They've got, you know, bodybuilders out in Speedos handing out awards. They've got, you know, drag queens up there dancing. They've got go-go dancers of all different uh, varieties. Saturday, January 8th, doors open at 7, show at 8. And there is one crew you ask, I'm not going to spoil his answer, but one of his the, the worst heckle he's got. There's this crew. He doesn't mention it in his interview, but there's a crew that every time he says tribe, they take a shot or a drink. And this, I know these folks personally, uh, and they are plastered by the end of the, because literally every time you say, and then it turns into a whole skit, right? Every time he says tribe, they drink. So tribe, tribe, tribe. <laughs> and off to the races we go. But there's official after parties at Ale Works. There's pre-parties. Check it out. Google it online. But the film festival still has tickets left. I looked at it right before the podcast, and there are about 50 to 60 tickets, tickets just by scanning the uh, the seating chart. So get on there, check it out. But um, not a bad seat in the house there at Bally's. By the um, time you get you listen to this, they might be gone. Hey, yeah, don't 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 say we didn't tell you so. <laughs> so that's what i've got i'm gonna keep mine short and sweet there and leave the research up to the folks for their adventure and entertainment but check out those movies check out those adventures and after this quick break we're gonna be back with the one and only iconic todd offenbacher from the Todd adventure film festival stick with us Welcome back, everyone, to the Tavo Tap. 
We've got local extraordinaire ski professional and just all around great person, Mr. Todd Offenbacher here live with us. And we're talking about the Tahoe Adventure Film Festival. We're talking about avalanche training. We're talking about family, all of it, right? I mean, that's what you encompass here in Lake Tahoe. I mean, you, you are a legend. Here in the basin, you're smiling, you know, you got a big old piece of humble pie always carried with you, but uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. It's, it's, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. So like we said, just jumping right into the Tahoe Film Festival, Rob Galloway has never been himself, right, Rob? That is, just, that is true. That's a fact. Shame on you, first shame of all. Shame on me. Shame on me. I'm looking Todd right in the eyes and just saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ask no, all the questions. I'm, I'm never that person to go, hey, come on. It's, you know, everybody, you know, you'll make it when you can. <laughs> okay. 20 years, and maybe you'll make it on the 21st. <laughs> Take it away, Rob. All right. So, so Todd, I mean, the festival started, I believe, 2004, right? Is that when the festival started? I think that's, I think that's right. So, you know, in that time between, between now and then, I mean, and, and COVID aside, what's been the biggest change since it's all happened or all started i think the biggest change was when we first started doing the film festival it was back in the time of dvds and and much more full-length films where our concept then maybe my attention deficit was part of what led to it my my focus was to take segments from these full-length films ski films outdoor films take a segment show that and then the model was more so it appealed to the filmmakers that were then, back then selling DVDs to then sell the full length DVD. Hey, you saw this cool segment at the Film Fest. Now maybe you want to go purchase the full length. And then since then, uh, the platform in which filmmakers share their material, you know, it's way more uh, put out on social media. It's way more about how many people see it. The sponsor uh, formula is quite different. So it's very interesting to me. I mean, you think about it now, somebody sends you a video. Hey, Rob, check this cool video out. You know, they say, and you're like, oh, six minutes, man. I don't got six minutes to watch a video. <laughs> so yeah. it, I always kind of joke that it's, it's a film festival, film festival for the attention deficit disorder folks Oops. like myself. <laughs> well, um, even though I've not been, I, I, you know, I know exactly what it is, what goes on, you know, the time people have, but for somebody who's, who's not been, or maybe, you know, hasn't, doesn't have the, the best idea what it is, what's that, you know, give me your one minute elevator pitch as to, you know, what, what, what it is or what somebody can expect from it. Yeah. You know, it, it's really, it's hard to kind of, to tell someone what it's about until you've experienced it. Cause of course it started out similar to a lot of other film festivals. You take some of the best films, some of the best photography, you, you, you put on, you know, a show that highlights that. But our film festival, you know, myself being, you know, part of this community, a, a really big part of this community, the messaging has changed a lot. Like in the beginning, it was a lot of, you know, the limits of these sports, you know, the extremes of the sports. Whereas now it's, it's shifted more to being a festival that really celebrates our mountain lifestyle, our mountain community. We call it a tribe and people just have really connected with that term. Not, not that it's my term, but it, it's, a, it's a connection to our community and this amazing mountain culture that we all live in, whether it's here, whether it's Mammoth, whether it's Chamonix. And it, one of the big messages you know, that, that I just kind of live by and has become a big part of the film festival is I think the happiest people in the world, I think this is even proven, are people that focus on friends, family, community, and purpose. 
And that's, that's really more of what it's morphed into just organically. Yeah. My, my grandma always, she always lived by the three F's, which was friends, family, and her, her third was faith. So uh-huh. I mean, it's a, it's a good, uh, it's kind of a, a similar aspect. There. It is. And it's, it's beautiful. I, I want to say there's like some old Harvard study that's been going on for 80, 90 years, a long study that, that taught, that has followed people. And, and that has kind of been the proof in the pudding is that, you know, connection to friends. I think it's friends, I think friends, family, community, and purpose. I think that was basically uh, what, what you find a happy person, they're connected to those, those things. Yeah. Makes and sense. A, and a new fact here, Todd studied at Harvard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we just found that out great great for great the record i have a 2.7 from wooten high school <laughs> well i mean one of the things that, that you know i was curious about because with the new event center um coming online in the next year or so do you think a, a larger venue like that might be on the horizon for for the film festival you know i sure hope so you know in the past we've always sold the venue out at mont blue and the idea of having a convention center in our town to, to be able to on drive more people here to experience Tahoe is really exciting. And the idea of having a bigger venue is exciting. I, I don't quite know the numbers, how big that new convention center is. It looks big. Mike uh, knows off the top of his head. Yeah, we big. got 6,000 people available for a concert. So Woo! step it up, Todd. Step <laughs> it up. All right. All right. <laughs> we got to get, get through this pandemic first and get people where they're, I think everyone's comfortable to come out and, and be in a large crowd. I mean, I think that's the first step. It's interesting to be building a bigger venue when, in fact, right now, um, you know, everybody's got a different risk tolerance to this, uh, this pandemic and the issues that we're going through. So it, it's a very interesting time to be doing events and entertainment. Yeah. So, it, you know, if somebody's never been again, I mean, the, the film festival, it's loose. People are having fun. I mean, you're up there hosting, you're getting heckled. What's the best heckle that you've had over the years? Yeah. You know, it's not that much heckling. It's more me just kind of, I just be just being myself like this community. It's, I used to be so nervous going up there, but I just feel so much love when I'm on that stage from the community. And I'm, I'm putting jokes out there. We're creating ambiance in the room with dancers. And I mean, we've had clowns and break dancers. We've had gladiators come out and just start fighting randomly. We've had like, you know, professional bodybuilders just come out and start flexing and picking people up and carrying them. Just, <laughs> just kind of a tongue in cheek uh, film festival to be different than other ones. I think part of what makes South Lake Tahoe so unique as a mountain town, when this thing is a celebration of mountain cultures, is where what other mountain town, mountain community has casinos and gambling and and uh, and and all the stuff that that casino brings. You know, the positive, the negative. The positive is certainly we have an amazing showroom with an amazing stage, an amazing crew to be able to put on a show with a lot of ambiance above and beyond just the films, just the photography, just the awards. Sure. And you kind of alluded to it, you know, as far as the films and everything goes, because it's not, you're not showing full length films. So walk us through the process of, of maybe getting and selecting the films. And then from that point, how do the directors select which of their snippets to use, you know, at the festival? Uh, part, part of what's happened over time, you know, we, we originally started out with just submissions and then again, as I mentioned earlier, as, as these formats have changed, you know, with filmmakers making shorter films and just wanting to get them out there in front of as many eyeballs as possible, not just selling the films, we not only get film submissions, but we also are out searching for films, looking for films. I've got 
you know, a, a plethora of friends that are just like, dude, have you seen this film? Hey, you've got to see this. And now through 20, almost 20 years of doing the film fest, there's a bunch of people that we just made connections with over all those years that are sending it going, hey, what do you think of this? Or, or they'll send me three or four or five uh, different films. Hey, is there any one of these you're interested in? So it, it's really, it's kind of morphed into a, a combination of some film submissions and then going out and seeking films. It's amazing how many films you get sent that are just amazing films, but they're too long mm -hmm. or, you know, like there's uh, people going bike across Europe to go do, it's a really cool adventure, but it's not that stimulating. Part of what we try mm -hmm. to do is keep a really good, fast tempo and pace through the whole festival and not let it bog down at any time. Sure. Uh, I just wanted the whole thing to be uplifting and inspiring throughout the whole festival. So with that, I mean, do you get, you know, other, lots of film festivals around the country have like premieres, like they're premiering at the actual festival. Do you have that coming up we or do. done those? We do. And, and that's, uh, and that even I think has become more difficult to get as a film that no one has ever seen before. The way people share media now, um, again, that format is to get as many people to see it as possible. And uh, through social media is one way. So, uh, so we do. We have two. We, we have two premieres this year. Every year it seems like we end up with somewhere around that two or three different films that have never, never been seen before. No one's ever set eyes on it. Hasn't been on social media. It hasn't been shared. It'll premiere there. A couple of films, and then typically uh, a film has a premiere like that, and then it goes through a bunch of other film festivals, and ultimately. Uh, the formula is then to be sold. Maybe it gets sold to Netflix or Amazon and, and then everybody you know, just clicks on it and watches it. Great. Hey, you have an award called the Golden Camelot and you, you have one award every year. And what is your criteria um, for the person that you award that to? <sighs> they have to be, uh, they have to be, they have to be amazing. They have to have really contributed either for a big way or the community in a big way. The again, that award started out where it was really just going to athletes, uh, you know, at the, the highest end of performance. And now it's shifted more to people that are that have done a lot for their community, have done a lot for the sport above and beyond just performance, but giving back and 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 lifting the whole community up. Whether it's our community here in South Lake Tahoe, or it's the community of skiing or climbing. Um, there, there's not an exact criteria, but the person has to be something really special. I, we, I don't think we've had one award yet where someone's like, "Yeah, that guy didn't really deserve it. I, <laughs> I, always, I always wonder if there's someone in the audience sitting out there at the film fest. You know, we get about 1,200 people. I always wonder if there's somebody sitting there thinking, I wonder if it's me this year. <laughs> well, you know, for people listening outside the area, I mean, give us your, your shameless plug for, for the tour that you go on after the event, it, the event. I know it's a little sketchy this year, given the, given the variant, but you do have at least, um, you know, one, one date, right? Secured. Yeah. And in the past, we would go on tour with the films from the Tavendra Film Festival. Uh, we start in Petaluma, which is just a great venue, a great community. I, I, I feel like they, in Petaluma, there's a big outdoor community that, that they feel like Tahoe is kind of their backyard. So it really resonates with them. We'll start there this year. Uh, we typically go to Mammoth. We've not secured an event there yet or a festival there yet this year. We've done that for probably the last 10 plus years. Um, we also typically go to Salt Lake City, to Jackson Hole. 
And you might, you might kind of notice that those are all places I want to go and be because <laughs> I've got friends there. It just ends up being part of the festival is me going and riding bikes down in Petaluma or me going to Jackson Hole and skiing with friends and then doing the festival at night. So uh, we, we are working on extending the tour. But again, like you said, with the, with the variant, the unknowns for events and entertainment have been really challenging. Been tough, been tough. All right, so outside of the Tahoe Adventure Film Festival, I've got a few questions for you. Some things we alluded to earlier in the podcast, you know, we've been friends for a long time. You've given me a lot of insight on life. You got, you've dealt me a lot of humor as well. This one a little more serious. Uh, you know, there's a, we talked about avalanche trainings and the courses um, earlier in the show. You know, there's a lot of messaging out there. Obviously, take the courses. Beacon Shovel Pro, right? That's all mm-hmm. plugged into people's brains if they're going out there and they're getting after it. But what is the most important lesson you've learned in the backcountry that you can share with people just, just out, of, out of your personality and your experiences? I think you make a really good point. I hear a lot of people say, that are getting into it. Oh, I took an avalanche course and I have, like you said, a Beacon Shovel Probe. The other item I would add to Beacon Shovel Probe is an airbag. You know, a Beacon Shovel Probe are all things you would hope to never have to use other than in the worst case scenario, someone's been caught in an avalanche. An airbag is just another layer of protection in the case of a worst worst event, an avalanche. but I think just taking a course, it's like reading a book on, you know, whatever, you name it, how to, how to race a car. If you've never driven a car, it, it's very difficult to go out and race it after reading a really good book about racing cars. I don't know why I picked race cars, but um, I was going to say sex, but like a whole book about sex. But if you've never had sex, like, but I guess that's maybe not appropriate. No one has sex. No one has sex anymore. Uh, now we but, just uh, have to click a different category. <laughs> but, but, I, but I think to your point about, yeah, you take the course and there's, there's obviously a lot of good information there. But again, going back to the way we share information and there's so much information. You can YouTube how to backcountry ski, how to do it safely, how to avoid avalanches and terrain traps and these sort of things. Um, I came up in an era where you, you had a mentor and I think there's nothing more important and more valuable in in all different aspects of life is to have someone who's a mentor someone who's going to take you along and show you things that you just can't understand until you've seen it yourself i mean to 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 imagine what it's like to be in an avalanche no matter how good your imagination is 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 hard to really wrap your mind around how violent it is how destructive it is how out of control you are until you've actually been in one or witnessed someone in it or have recovered someone from an avalanche. Um, So I think mentorship, having a mentor, and then to be the, I don't know if the word is mentoree, but if you're the one that's doing that, that means you got to show up on time. You got to show up ready. You got to maybe show up with like a breakfast burrito. You got one that the mentor says, Hey, this guy's worth bringing again. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, cooking, racing a car, sex, the golf, whatever it may be, there's always that first person, right. That's getting you out there, showing you the ropes. Yeah. So if uh, if you're the one that's the student, you've got to be a good student, show up on time, certainly. And then, like I say, bring some treats, make it good drive, uh, whatever, make make it so that they want to invite you back. That's been one of my secrets to life is I'm, what if I do something and I like it, I want to get invited back. No sandbagging either. 
No sandbagging. Don't be sandbagging your friend saying, oh, it's only a two-hour hike. <laughs> when really you're a go-getter and it's a six-hour hike, but you know, don't no don't matter be- what it is, don't complain. Don't complain. Just zip it. If you're getting blisters and your feet are bleeding, don't say a word. Wait till you're back at the car. And when you pull your boots off, they'll see those blisters and be like, damn, Mike's tough. He didn't say a word, you know. Never complain, never give up. Amen, brother. <laughs> All right, you've lobbied hard to get me on a small board small bard trip. Uh, up towards that North Pole before. Tell me about it and how a peon like myself can get involved in something extraordinary like that. Yeah, so I I, uh, I guide for IceX Expeditions. I'm one of the lead guides, the lead guide for our trip to Svalbard. And for people that don't know where Svalbard is, it's an island north, detached from North Norway, north of Norway by several hundred miles. And Svalbard is, is probably famous for if you want to see polar bears, people go to Svalbard to see polar bears. There's 3,000 polar bears on this island. We have a steel hull boat ship, uh, sailboat that we take out um, and take folks skiing. So you're living on a sailboat, moving the sailboat uh, around these fjords and uh, skiing right out of the ocean. Uh, We carry rifles, we carry flare guns for polar bear protection. Um, of course, they're an endangered animal. So, you know, the main thing is just avoidance of polar bears, but we see them a lot. We see them mostly from the boat. If you see them when you're on land, the idea is you go back to the boat, but the skiing's amazing. You know, it's, it's so far north. I think we've been uh, to 79 degrees north, which is pretty darn close to the, to the North Pole. Maybe that's 400 miles from the North Pole. Um, the snow's good. We go in May. Um, you know, you'd have to have, you'd want to have some skills of how to move around in, 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 uh, in mountains in the backcountry. be familiar with skins and skis or split board, that sort of thing, avalanche conditions, but we've got a guide and, and, and we take people around and we've had people all the way from the highest level pros to, uh, people that are really, Hey, I just learned how to backcountry ski, but I want to go see some polar bears. I want to ski in a cool place. I want to go somewhere remote. It's, it's an amazing experience. It's one of those it's one of the it's the best job I've ever had in my life working for ISEX, going to Antarctica, going to Norway, going to Svalbard, sharing what I love about the mountains, you know, teaching people, people, mentoring people, guiding people, figuring out with the weather, where to take the boat, what's going to be best in the winds with the high seas, that sort of stuff. It's uh, it's a job. If, if I had a million dollars, I would, and I, and I wasn't a guide, I would go on that trip every year. Now, you can just Google uh, Ice Axe Expeditions, find out more, but what's the time of year that you do that? Uh, we go in May, and, and that also is really unique for that part of the world, because in May, in that part of the world so far north, you're dealing with 24 hours of daylight. The sun does not set. It's a really amazing experience people people always ask oh have you seen the northern lights and i'm like well not on that trip because the sun never sets you got to be up there at night to see the see the northern the northern lights so um, that makes it really unique it also adds a lot of value to when you move the boat and when you ski you know if the weather's bad you can move the boat get further north and then when the weather clears, it's sunny. I mean, or it's, or the, or it's daylight, I should say. Right. You can go skiing. Well, that sunlight leads me into a perfect segue for my fi- final question here. And it's from my wife, Whitney. Shout out to her. I said, well, you know, you know, Todd, what, what, what do you want to know about Todd? She goes, oh, that's easy. She, you got a 34-year-old woman jealous here, Todd. She goes, what's his skincare regimen being outside all the time? Oh, my God. 
It's, <laughs> if, if you were to ask my wife, she would say it's none. Not I'm enough. constantly <laughs> being bugged by my wife and daughter to put, put more sunscreen on. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I'm, I'm, I'm not great with the sun, with the suntan lotion, the, the sunscreen. The I goggle just, tan know. just isn't in anymore. Yeah. You, you can't have it. I mean, that, that's like having a mullet, right? <laughs> Our mullets are still in it though. Is. Oh, they're back. They are back. I guess. Yeah, they are. They're back. They're back. <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, just uh, from outerwear to skincare, <laughs> she's, she's like, I just want to know how he still does it. You know, That's just good. still going strong. Tell her, tell her I, part of, the last two years, part of my skincare has just been wearing a mask everywhere I go. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. Good answer. Good answer. That's, that's <laughs> a PC answer for you, folks. Hey, well, we appreciate the time. Uh, of course, if you guys have heard this before Saturday, the 8th, Still check out Tile Adventure Film Festival. It's going down at Bali's or Bally's, however you say it these days. Uh, here in South Lake Tile, Ticketmaster is your location for tickets. If you're hearing it afterwards, man, you missed the boat, but you can hop on that Svalbard boat, hopefully, hopefully in June. We'll see. We'll see, right? Uh, I mean, we hope you can with ISAX Expeditions. And again, Todd, thanks for your time, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks to both of you guys. Thanks for the support over all the years. I appreciate it very much. All right, folks, coming up in the next episode, airing February 3rd, we've got Darren Rouse chatting about what it feels like to be an Olympian, his favorite stomping grounds around Lake Tahoe with his family or his boys in the Syndic crew, and nothing about his skincare regimen at all. So we won't, we won't talk about that either. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. We'll chat Thanks, with Todd. you guys in a couple of weeks here on the Tahoe Tap.